Thank you for listening to Let's Talk. We're your hosts, Nick Ryder and Tyler Robert. Today we'll be interviewing Iditarod musher and mountain climber Dr. Larry Doherty. Hi, Larry. Hey, how are you? Is this Nick or Ty? Nick. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Hello from Alaska. <laughs> Welcome to our show and thank you for being with us. Our first you segment- bet. Pleasure. Our first segment of the show is titled, Who Inspires You? During this segment, we would like to ask you to tell us a little bit about who inspires you in getting involved in the Iditarod. You bet. So um, I guess my inspiration draws back from being a young boy. Uh, My grandmother uh, was very fascinated with all things Alaska. Uh, She traveled up here many times and and really traveled. uh, she She was quite the adventurous spirit. She traveled all over the globe and and in, even including Antarctica a couple of times and and this was in the early 80s when really not a lot of people were going to Antarctica uh, but just had a had a passion for some of these colder climates that uh, maybe aren't as appealing to, to to many other people and and um, she became fascinated with the Iditarod dog sled race and and uh, used to send me newspaper clippings about the race and uh, yeah, I can remember when Libby Riddles won and her being so excited that, that a woman had run, had won uh, this dog sled race up in Alaska. And uh, I think just really turned me on to, to the race. And so just as a young kid, I grew up, you know, knowing the names of Susan Butcher and Rick Swenson and, and uh, you know, these, these mushers who were really the pioneers of, of long distance mushing, uh, at least with respect to the Iditarod. And um, I guess my, you know, my grandma really was my main inspiration, uh, but but also I was really drawn to the uh, the Jack London books when I was a kid, reading Call of the Wild and White Fang, and um, so so those were kind of some things that planted some deep seeds in my heart, and and later as an adult would draw me up to Alaska. I, I actually came up here from Florida. <laughs> I'd never been to Alaska, but but moved my family up here to Alaska uh, several years ago to to chase this dream of, of running the Iditarod. Um, I would I would I would add one more inspiration and that's that's my patients. I'm I'm an oncology doctor, so I, I treat patients who have cancer and every day I sit down with people who are who are facing you know, potentially their last day, um, or who are facing a very challenging diagnosis, and and I think that that's given me a certain a certain passion uh, for really going after goals. Maybe maybe even a little bit too tenaciously, some might argue, but um, but but they've been an inspiration for me as well. Thank you for sharing. It was really interesting how you um, go for all the causes. Um, Next, we're going to move on to our Q&A segment. We are going to All right. We're going to begin with some questions about climbing mountains. We know that you have climbed some mountains. Tell us a little bit about that and your foundation. You are part of Raiding Hope. Yeah, you bet. I'd love to tell you about that. So, um, I, you know, mountain climbing and, and just climbing in general was really my, my first passion. Um, been, been, been climbing big mountains for about 10 years uh, before that it was just more rock climbing and ice climbing but I, I've climbed all over the world uh, I've had a, a goal uh, for many years now of, of trying to climb the seven summits 
and I, I've, I've been on five of the seven, uh, including Mount Everest this year. Uh, I've climbed Mount Elbrus in Russia, uh, Mount Aconcagua in Argentina, Denali up here in Alaska, and uh, Kilimanjaro uh, in, in Tanzania. Uh, so this year I was trying to become the first person to successfully complete the Iditarod dog sled race uh, and climb Mount Everest in the same year. And um, came very, very close to doing that. I, I actually got within 400 feet of the true summit. Uh, we got to the south summit of Mount Everest, uh, which is um, at 28,700 feet. So we were just 335 feet away, about a football field uh, from the true summit. And um, unfortunately, we had to turn around due to high winds. Uh, so, uh, but, I, but I do climb for a cause. Uh, it's called Radiating Hope. Radiating Hope is a nonprofit that I helped start in 2010, and uh, our mission is to improve access to cancer care in developing countries. So we raise money through our mountain climbing endeavors. Uh, we carry prayer flags in honor of cancer patients, and I've carried those flags on the Iditarod as well. Um, I usually carry them on the side of my sled and, and dedicate those to the patients that I treat, uh, but it's all a fundraising endeavor. We've... we've uh, boosted um, cancer treatment efforts in Senegal and Tanzania and Nepal and, and uh, many other countries around the globe. So proud, proud to be part of that, that effort. What is your favorite mountain that you have climbed so far? You know, um, this might surprise you, uh, being that I've climbed a lot of big mountains. Um, I, I would have to say Mount Rainier, which is in Seattle, and I would say that I've climbed Mount Rainier six times, and it's always been my favorite mountain. I, I grew up right near the base of Mount Rainier, and um, I think it just because of that, it has a, a sentimental place in my heart. Are you thinking about going back to Everest to try to get to the summit? <laughs> I get asked that just about every day, <laughs> and initially I said no, but um, I think I think someday I, I would like to. I don't have any immediate plans to go back. My I, I went with a team of four people, and and um, two of my teammates are actually going back uh, this next year. Um, I'm not able to do that. It was a monumental uh, thing for me to ask of my of my employer, you know, to take so much time off of work, not only to climb Mount Everest, but for the Iditarod. And then I also have five kids at home and um, the timing just isn't, isn't right for me to back up and go right back to Mount Everest. But, but someday, you know, maybe in 10 or 15 years, I would, I would love to be able to do that. Do you have like a favorite memory from like climbing mountains? Boy, there's so many uh, good memories. Um, let me uh, let me think about that one. I mean, I, I I really just enjoy those those moments of of solitude where you're able to get away. You know, similar to what you experience when you're on the Iditarod Trail, something that's so unique that not a lot of people get to experience. Um, but just having those quiet moments to reflect and be completely unplugged from other distractions. Um, I think those are, those are just the small moments that I really enjoy on, on every mountain that I climb. How was your experience when climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with your son? 
Oh, well, that was that was really remarkable. Um, I've been, I've been fortunate to climb Kilimanjaro twice. The first time with my daughter when she was thirteen, and then the second time with my son when he was thirteen. Um, and uh, I've got three more kids who are already looking forward to their thirteenth birthday. I think I've unintentionally started that tradition at my house. Um, but you know, just really awesome. Um, it it has paid huge dividends for for both of my kids in many other aspects of their lives. Climbing Kilimanjaro was for each of them the hardest thing that they had ever done. Um, and it, I think, gave both of them enormous confidence to tackle other challenges in their lives. So a unique experience that I was fortunate to share with both of them for sure. Um, back to the Iditarod, a couple years ago, fans started calling you and a couple of others, the Lost Boys. Um, how do you... <laughs> How do you feel about this nickname? <laughs> you guys really did your homework. I'm impressed. Um, you know, I, I've embraced that. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't offend me in the slightest. I I um, I've, I've embraced my unique record of having completed the longest I did a rod in history, which, according to my own calculations, was actually 1,049 miles. Um, Many times the Iditarod is a, is a little bit less than that. I think this last year it was about 975 miles. So I might be the only the only musher in history uh, to have actually gone 1,049 miles. I'm I'm a little bit proud of that. But at the time it wasn't the case. <laughs> I was a I was a rookie, and um, it was on the the second day of the Iditarod, and. Um, Boy, when I figured out that I had taken this massive detour, uh, it was at, at, at that moment, I felt like my race was dashed, that I, that I may not even be able to finish. I, at the time, didn't know if I had enough food and supplies for myself and my dogs and to, to even make it to the next checkpoint. And, you know, it was a, it was a very, very challenging uh, period, but we managed to to limp along and get to the next checkpoint and, and even, you know, about midway through the race, uh, started catching up to other teams and, and ended up finishing, finishing. Okay. I think we were, um, 64th place that year out of 85 teams that entered the race. So, um, I was proud that despite uh, a pretty big mistake, uh, as a rookie that managed to finish the race and, and even a, a respectable finish at that. Do you think any of your children will follow in your footsteps with the Iditarod? I don't know. You know, I, I hope that my, my children, I, I hope that I've taught each of them to go after whatever their own passions are. And, and if that happens to be the Iditarod for any of my kids, I would wholeheartedly support them. But um, what I want for them is to have their own, their own successes and their own pursuits in their lives. And, um, I certainly have uh, some of my kids that have shown a, a real interest in it, um, but, but time will tell. Um, we also know that you carry prayer flags. Um, do they hold like a special place in your heart? Absolutely. So those prayer flags come from uh, the Tibetan and the, and the Buddhist cultures. And really what they symbolize um, is as these prayer flags flap in the wind they're often 
strung in high places or I saw them really all over when I was in, in Nepal uh, in these very remote villages and high on mountaintops. You see these long strings of prayer flags flapping in the wind and, and some of them uh, have been hanging for a while and as they flap, small threads of the flags will break free and they symbolize uh, love and, and strength and well-being. Um, and for me, uh, it, it symbolizes those things for the for the people who I dedicate those flags for. So it's a way uh, for me to carry my my patients who are near and dear to my heart with me uh, when I'm when I'm absent here from the clinic. Uh, it's a way for me to show that that they're not absent uh, from my heart. And um, I hope it's been meaningful to my patients to follow the journey of their flag uh, uh, on the Iditarod and, and, and also on the, on the mountains that I've climbed. What is your favorite Iditarod memory? You know, um, I have a lot of really fantastic memories. And one, one thing I, I haven't shared with a lot of people and um, I'll, I'll share with you guys today is my, my rookie Iditarod. Um, I got to spread the ashes of my grandma uh, at Rainy Pass and I chose that place uh, after talking with one of my mentors, Mitch Seavey. Uh, he he described the beauty of Rainy Pass. I had never been there, but um, after hearing about it, I, I decided that, that that would be a, a wonderful place to spread ashes for, for actually both of my grandparents, my grandma and grandpa. And uh, to me, that was just such a fitting tribute uh, to the people who had, who had inspired me to to do this race to begin with. Thank you for sharing that memory. You're welcome. What do you think is more challenging, climbing mountains or running the Iditarod? You know, they're, they're both challenging in, in such completely different ways. I would say from a physical standpoint, um, definitely climbing, uh, in my opinion, is much, much more challenging um, uh, in terms of the, the physical demand. But in terms of the mental um, demand, uh, the sleep deprivation and the cold, uh, the extremes that you face, uh, definitely the, the you know mushing is is much more challenging. So the hardest part about about mushing for me has been um, you know the sleep deprivation uh, and uh, and and the extremes and the in the temperatures that you face. We have a new segment that we added to our show, and it's called Iditarod Books. Um, what are your three favorite Iditarod-themed books? Um, I would say uh, definitely one of my favorites is Beyond Ofer, which is written by Jim Lanier. Uh, Jim is um, typically the oldest musher to enter the Iditarod. Uh, this year is, I want to say, either his 20th or 21st uh, Iditarod, um, and his biography of all of his tales over uh, the many uh, years that he has raced, including participating in 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 some capacity in the majority of the Iditarods, either as a volunteer or a spectator. Um, you know, he's really been there since since the beginning, um, and I, his his uh, his his book is very entertaining um, uh, and, and just a just a great read. So I, I like that one a lot. Um, I mentioned Jack London. You know, they're not um, they're not Iditarod books, but they're they're the first books that really spoke to me about uh, you know the 
the, the north and, and dogs. And um, so I would say White Fang and Call of the Wild, uh, you know, spoke to me at a, at a young age. And then I, I, I think the third book that I would list, um, again, maybe not a mushing book, but but a book that I very much relate to um, uh, would be favorite poems of of, um, of Robert Service. Uh, oftentimes when I'm out there mushing, the, I have some of his poetry memorized. And, and as I'm out there on the back of the runners and, and just seeing the amazing scenery around me or the northern lights dancing overhead, um, there's, there's really no other language other than poetry that can can begin to give it justice. And so um, I would say the poems by Robert Service would be my third. Thank you for your time and allowing us to talk to you. You bet. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for rescheduling for me. I'm sorry I had to cancel on you earlier this week. It's all, it's all right. Special thanks to Dr. Larry Doherty for joining us on Husky Talk. Special credit to Hobo Jim for our theme song, The Literature Trail Song. Yeah.